You're listening to the Young Adult Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, challenge you, and lead you closer to Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy. Welcome, everybody. My name is Josh Coffee. like to drink spell different for those of you that don't know me. Uh, my, I, my name is Josh, but not the other Josh. So uh, you have me tonight. For those of you that are seniors, welcome. I'm glad you're here. There are too many, who agrees? There's too many Joshes in the world? Yeah. I, I saw this on uh, like Instagram or something like a year and a half ago. I don't remember, but there was a battle of Josh's where like everybody had pulled. Like, do you remember that? You saw that like videos? Like, I was like, I need to be there next time. Um, anyways, too many Joshes in this in this world. Okay, uh, tonight we're going to be finishing up in James. So if you are here for the first time, welcome to the very last installment, chapter 5 of James. If you have a Bible, why don't you uh, find your way to James chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, bring out your phone. Your phone either already has a Bible on it or can very quickly get a Bible on it. And if you don't have a phone or a Bible, we have Bibles somewhere in here. Just to encourage you to follow along as we are going through the Word of God together. All right, so this last week uh, was the Super Bowl for my NFL team. Uh, My NFL team is the New York Jets, and so the NFL draft, yeah, bring it. Bring it. Sounds like I'm Roger Goodell up here. Okay, so... uh, So if you know anything about the New York Jets, we suck. And so I'll be the first to tell you that. But that is why the NFL draft is our Super Bowl. Every year we think this is going to be the one. And so I've never been to the draft before because I feel like those are those like next level NFL nerds. And so I'm like, okay, I'm graduating to NFL nerd Supermax. So I went to the NFL draft, took some friends with me, and it was an absolute blast. We went to a a private draft party that was like a block, not even a block, like a couple hundred yards away from the actual draft happening. And they had like all of these NFL stars come. A lot of them I didn't know. Um, But one of them that I did know was Barry Sanders, uh, the best running back of all time. Yeah, and I'm not one of those people who's like starstruck. If I'm going to be honest with you, don't give a crap. Um, Like one time uh, recently in November, we were in the airport, and my wife was like, look, it's Machine Gun Kelly. And I'm like... Who cares? Uh, so uh, straight up don't care, but Barry Sanders is like really, really cool, but he was like taking pictures with people, and I didn't notice until it was way too late, and he's like here taking pictures with somebody, and there's a photographer, and I like had to go to the bathroom, so I walked in between them taking a photo, and I didn't realize until I'm like right about here, and he's here, and I'm like, oh, that's Barry Sanders. I'm like, what's up, Barry? And I hit him like right here, and he looked at me like, what, did, what's, what are you doing, idiot? Um, but it's cool, because like, I'm like, hey, I could say that I said what's up to Barry, touched him um and that that maybe like not inappropriately whoa calm down guys whoa uh but it was awesome and then at the towards the end of the night we we're leaving that party and we saw in a, a group of young nfl current players and i'm hesitant to tell you their names <coughs> christian kirk um but he was an absolute tool he just got paid 20 million dollars a year um and he acted like he didn't see us at all um, and he was with uh, Trevor Lawrence and some of the other Jaguars people who are terrible, just as terrible as the Jets. Uh, but he thought he was too cool, and he just got paid way too much money. This guy, Barry Sanders, was hanging out with people, like loving people, like like the best player at his position of all time, and he was just humble, 
Awesome, great. And then right after that, to see this young guy who just got paid lots and lots of money just be an absolute tool. I think money changes things for a lot of people. And when James is writing the scripture that we're going to go over right into tonight, I think it's a good, it's a good reminder for us. Hey, money is the source of all sorts of evil. So if you have your Bible, turn to James chapter 5. Starting in verse 1. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you have failed to pay the workers, you who mowed, those who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Look, Jesus says it himself, it is easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to get into heaven. And for those of us in the room, I think a lot of us are just going to be like, okay, James, I get it. Yeah, those rich people suck. We're not rich. And I, and I totally understand that. Uh, and for especially for the, most of you in this room, it's not like you guys probably have billions or millions of dollars. And so you're sitting here like, okay, this, James, James isn't talking about me. I get it. Well, if you're here tonight and you're not rich and this isn't really a struggle for you, I think it's a good time before you hit this point, before you're like tempted and, and you're straying away because it's easier to count on what you can do for yourself by earning money than it is to depend on God, start the practice now. Now is the time. Not, not when it's too late. Not when you're making seven figures and he, honestly, even when you're making six figures, like money is a source of all sorts of evil. And if you don't prepare your heart and your mind for what that is, when you start making money and you stop tithing and you stop giving and you, and you just get caught up in the worldliness of it, man, it's so easy to get lost. And that's why James is pointing out those of us that are already rich, those of you who aren't rich, be careful. It's hard. I work with all sorts of wealthy people. I'm a financial advisor, so normally the people that have financial advisors are people that have money. Uh, not always. I work with a couple people in the room who don't have a lot of money, but that's okay. There's a lot of people I work with that are business owners that have a lot of money. And I've noticed there's a couple different kinds of people with money. The number one kind of person, yeah, it's easier to go around. Or out that way. or um, The first kind of business owner is the kind that supports their staff. That with money, sacrificially gives, even though they might take a little less, is so giving, they give them benefits. 401k, dental, vision, bonuses. Like they're loving their people because they know that that is where their help comes from. The other kind of owner that I deal with is the kind of person that when we're talking about giving benefits to their employees, they're like, yeah, I don't want to do that. 
And so they just want to keep every dollar they can for themselves. And, and as I think through those kinds of people, it's easy to get caught up in the world. It's easy to get caught up in your own self-worth and your ability to make your own money to the point where you get inundated. Are, is everything good? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> money is hard. And I know here tonight you guys aren't the boss, but one day you will be the boss. And you're going to have lots of money in your banking account, and you're going to be wondering, hey, what do I do with all this? Do I give it away? Do I tithe? How do I do that? Why am I doing it? And you can build in these structures, or you can make it all about you. What James is saying is, listen, money can tear you apart. Then he jumps down to this. Picking up in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. That doesn't mean that life is always easy and and seldom it is. Most of the time, life is going to be difficult. And James even points to one of the most horrific stories we have in Scripture of Job. How many of you guys have read the story of Job? Yeah? You guys remember how it ends? Anybody? Yeah, how does it end? Go. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he gives him like all the money he had times 10. He gives him kids. He gives him like all this blessing. And it was horrific. Like he lost his family. He had boils. He had to scrape with clay pots. Like it was horrendous what he had to go through, but he endured. He would not turn away from the Lord. And, and I think that in today's world, it's easy to get caught up in this idea that Christianity, that Jesus is just this long-haired hippie dude who just wants to love you, and it's just easy I think what James is, is offering is this perspective that is more honest. Hey, this life is, is not always that. Sometimes it's going to freaking suck. Sometimes it's going to feel like you are being punished. You're going to be scraping boils off of your body. That you're going to lose family members. You're going to lose your money. And in those times, in those circumstances, are you going to turn away from God and say, God, curse you? Or are you going to say, God, even though my circumstances are awful, I will still praise you? Because I think for me, I know that when I've had those times in my life, I've been tempted. It's not how life is just not easy. It's, it's, a, it's a lot harder to turn your heart towards God in those hard times and, and to say, Lord, even though this moment here in this place really sucks, God, I need to trust you. And if Job can do it, you can do it. I think it's easy in this 
day and age to, to give you this watered-down Christianity of, oh, you just need to come to church and bring a friend, and everything's going to be great. The reality is, man, if, you are, if you're a believer and you've been doing this for any amount of time, you know that's just a bunch of crap. It just is. Life is going to come at you. It's going to come at you quick. And if you're not preparing yourself now, when those moments do come, you're going to run away because life is hard. And I would rather you in this place hear me say that message so that when you hit those hard times, you remember this, that God doesn't promise ease. He promises to go through it with you, promises to restore you afterwards. And ultimately, he's going to give us the greatest prize of all, which is going to be eternity in heaven with him. Amen? If we endure this, if we persevere, if we're patient, we will be given eternal life. Verse 12, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear. Not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I also think this is something in today's world of social media and of instant access that we are terrible at. Terrible at. It's so much easier to get caught up in life and to wait out our options. Should we do this or should I do that? And you wait until the last minute and you decide. Have you guys ever had a friend that does that, that like will tell you, oh yeah, that sounds like fun, but I, I might have something else come up. And like they're always so flaky. You're like, why is this person so freaking flaky? And it's because they're always just waiting for something better to come along. That person kind of sucks. And, I'll, and I'm going to be honest with you, that kind of was me for a while, like, I, until I realized, like, I, I do that to people, and, and I kind of suck sometimes. And, and for me, it was one of those places, like, I, I want to always be present and be a, available, but I also, from a bad place, I want to be cool, and I want to be popular, and I want to do the cool thing. I remember this episode of this really old TV show you've probably never heard of called The Office. Um, and in this episode, Michael Scott has been trying to convince Jim and Pam to hang out with him and come over and have a double date. And he, Jim always is really creative, and he's like, oh, he's got this thing to come up until finally Michael tricked him and, and convinced him. He's like, oh, you don't have anything going on tonight? Okay, cool. We can all go home. Hey, Jim, you got anything going on tonight? And Jim's like, you got me. So ensues one of the most awkward, amazing episodes of The Office you will ever see is the dinner party when they go over there and then Dwight shows up with his girlfriend babysitter with wine glasses. And it's like Jan is so weird about candles and her boyfriend person. I'm trying to keep this PG as as I can. And and the whole night just like revolves around this awkward tension because of this circumstance where Jim was this guy. Jim was this guy who was like, nah, I just, I don't want to really do that. So he made up all these excuses. And finally, Michael roped him in to doing this. And it ended with Michael throwing his dundee at this plasma screen TV that was this big. It was absolutely, absolutely insane. As I think through for us and how we should have a kingdom mindset, 
Do we have our eyes fixed on others, or do we have our eyes fixed on ourselves? Do, do we keep what we want in focus, our desires, our wants, or do we let others come first? Verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let the elders of the church pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are, and prayed earnestly that that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three years, three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Too often do we limit God by what we believe he is willing to do. And it's in those times when we are at the bottom of the barrel, when we finally turn to God. And what I love about what James is saying is not only in the hard times, but if, if things are going well, pray. If things are hard, pray. If you have sinned, confess your sin, and God is going to be right there with you. Prayer changes things. And I think if we hold true to that, if we actually take that and, and, and accept it into the way that we view our life, the, what it does is it, it's actually a heart change from me being about myself to focusing on the kingdom. I don't know about you, but man, I've gotten in those head spaces when I just get so lost, my own sin, my brokenness, my shame, humility, and then I put on a brave face and make, make myself feel like everything is okay when inside I'm just torn up. Well, I think that what James is saying is, hey, God promises that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But you need to do this process in prayer. And also, I, I, I've allowed other people to come around you that they are going to be able to help you as well. You're not alone. You can always be with him. You can always bring your prayers to him. But also, that's what this is for. To confess your sins. That you don't have to go through this Christianity by yourself. Now, I got to be honest with you guys who are younger, who are seniors, as well as those who have been coming for a while. Listen, this, this Christian faith is not easy. It's, it's hard enough as it is. It's not, it's not good for you to just go around pretending like everything's okay. It's not. It's not helping you. It's not helping the church. It's not helping the kingdom. It's eating you up inside. Maybe someone's here tonight and you just have been struggling with sin, addiction. Maybe you're just letting the enemy win. But yet you come around your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you pretend like everything's okay. Maybe you've been dealing with depression. 
Maybe you've been looking at pornography. and You just can't find a way out. Well, I think what James is saying is, hey, this, this Christianity thing is hard. And if you run to him, he will run to you. And that you don't have to do it alone. He's here with you. We are here with you. Confess your sins. And not in some weird Catholic way. I'm not going to make you go back into the closet here with, with, with a priest like that. That's weird. I'm not telling you to do that. But man, God has placed people in your life that you can trust. I'm also not telling you to stand up and, and shut out your deepest, darkest sins. I don't think that's always helpful. What I am saying is, look, if you're here tonight and you've been struggling, whether that's with addiction or that's with loneliness, fear, anxiety. I just ask that before you leave tonight, before, before we even, we're going to play another game and do all that other stuff, man, who cares about that stuff? If you're not right with your relationship with God, I pray that you'd find somebody you trust in this room. If, if you don't have that person, come talk to me. Come talk to the worship band, Kel, like, Anybody who looks older than you, <laughs> like, we're here for you. Like, this is what we're here to do is to love you and to walk, help you through all of these things. Like, it's the purpose of why we are here. You don't have to do it alone. Amen? It ends with this, verse 19. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from their error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. I think that I'm going to end by saying this, and I think that this is going to encapsulate not only this chapter, but the whole of James. Simple. It's easy. Men and women in this room, don't waste your life. This life is so fleeting. You're here for but a moment and then you're gone for eternity. I don't know about you, but I want to make investments that are not going to just pan out here, but that are going to help me in the life to come that's going to last forever. And if I keep my eyes focused on eternity... I think that this life is going to be okay. And it won't matter the trouble that comes. It won't matter if my house gets burned down. It won't matter if my parents get divorced. It won't matter if I lose my job. It won't matter if I go through cancer. It will not matter because I'm not alone. And my eyes are not focused on what is right here in front of me. My eyes are focused on him and for eternity. Don't waste your life. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would guide us and direct us, lead us closer to you. Lord, I desperately need you. Lord, I'm sorry for the sins in my life that I let linger. Lord, I'm sorry for when I don't lean on you because it's easier to lean on my own abilities. Lord, I trust you and know that you have a plan and a purpose. Lord, you are good. Thank you for bringing all these here tonight. Go before us. Guide us, direct us, lead us in the way everlasting. Amen.